way back in the early 20-teens, a city fella from Minnesota and a wannabe cowpuncher from small-town Iowa came together to swap tall tales over the airwaves. They made lots of friends along the way, but even more enemies. By chance, they made acquaintance with a sodbuster from over the other side of the county, who felt obliged to butt in on their little show and give them the what-fors from time to time. After nigh on a decade of pointless blathering, one thing led to another, and they were unceremoniously tossed out on their ear from their little radio show. Eventually, this ragtag group found their way back together and decided to start a little podcast we like to call Dutch by Association. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 20th episode of the Dutch by Association podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barahona. Along with me, as always, are my good friends and co-hosts, Aaron Lons and Mitch Geese. The EBA podcast is brought to you by Brady's Pub in Sheldon. Brady's Pub is sponsoring our podcast, and you as, as a listener are entitled to a free appetizer. Stop in at Brady's. Say you heard about it on the pub. On the pod. At the pub. At the pub. <laughs> Sound like you've been at the pub for a while. <laughs> oh, this is only my fifth. <laughs> it's swing by Brady's. Tell him you heard about it on the podcast. The biggest problem, the biggest mistake I ever made was put on the script ad lib. Ad lib. <laughs> yeah. It's been a train to a guy who can't since. stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to fill airtime. All right. Hey, the pod is also brought to you by Super High Tech. Keep your kids ready for school in person or online with the latest in technology from Super High Tech. Laptops, desktops, tablets, phones, and more. Super High Tech, located in Sheldon, Orange City, and Sioux Center, and on the web at super-ht.com. And uh, we'll waste no time in introducing our guest. Welcome back to the podcast, J.D. Shulton. J.D., how are you? I'm excellent. And in fact, uh, we swung by Brady's Pub, if I can give him a little bit more plug to, yeah, to continue to be a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, last time, and it was so good, uh, uh, Lauren here is like, we got to go there. So well, we're excited. And now I can say, uh, ask about the appetizer situation. Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, channel your inner Dutchman and uh, get something for free. <laughs> well, since last we spoke, JD, a lot has happened. You've put uh, a lot of miles on that RV. Yeah, it's it's weird to think because uh, you guys were at the very beginning part of our 374 uh, town tour, and so uh, we finished that. It took about two months. And uh, I mean, to be honest, we started uh, right before we came on uh, last time. There was a poll that showed we were like 20 points down or something. And then uh, we did the show here, the podcast. And then the poll today said we were within five. That's called the CBA. So, yeah. 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 I, like, so, I like that equation. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that, in, in my head, down, yeah. DBA pod, neck That's and neck. It. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you keep track? Do you keep a record of how many miles you log? I it would took, be interesting to see. I took a picture when we first launched the tour, and and so I went seven thousand seven hundred eighty six miles, and I drove every single one of them. Uh, stayed mostly in state parks and RV parks, and so what was really cool. I mean, unfortunately, I would I would get in like at dark, after dark, so I didn't really get to see it at night. And but in the morning, I would try to go for a morning run or something and see that really the beauty of the district. Yeah, and um, you know that district spans quite uh, quite the area, and we're the biggest uh, district geographically speaking. And uh, you were 
front and center of it here uh, just one night ago. On yeah. you got your first and uh, well, I guess only televised debate, and would that have been the second time that two of you were uh, together? We did, I know you were at the corn growers. We did forum. three corn growers forums. One was virtual. Two were in person, but it was just for corn growers, right? Because uh, one was members. here. Yep, uh, and then. Uh, we had a Spencer forum early on where it was him, myself, and Senator Ernst. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, uh, that's right. I recall Yeah, that. so it was uh, a little two-on-one action, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody dump on the Democrats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I show up. Yeah, that's yeah, my campaign. Yeah, yeah. That's we, exactly we show up. right. So mm-hmm. you've uh, you've been through all these towns, and now you've, uh, you finally have your opportunity to uh, speak to basically the entire state, and then uh, also people beyond what was uh what's your takeaway what was your thought um now that you've had you know 24 hours to reflect on it uh, on the debate itself yes or, yeah you know it's one of those things you don't know how many people actually watch and, and stuff like that since there was only one debate um i'm a little frustrated we mentioned before we went on air about the health care there was no health care question agriculture we really i mean we talked about the rfs uh but we didn't really talk about just general or, or trade uh, so I was a little disappointed in in uh, not answering those. I mean, that, I mean, we're the second most agriculture producing district in America. We that should be first and foremost, mm-hmm. I feel. And so, um, but I mean, overall, it it, it was what it was. What would you guys think? Uh, we it was uh, interesting to see because you don't see Feenstra speak. Yeah, you you just because he's not out there. So it was it was for me the first time that I've actually gotten to see him in a. Uh, in a political standpoint, I, I've met the man before just because he's from from around here. Yeah. But um, I, it was uh, very interesting to see. I, I you could tell that um, I think, and, and no offense to you, but yeah. both sides had talking points to get. Um, uh, you could I, I could tell from the first question. So I, I believe the first question was something to uh, to the effect of how faith uh, yeah. it helps your or it guides your uh, your your campaign. And uh, I think both of you said about two sentences on that. And then you're like, and my opponent. Well, here's, here's the reason why is they said we would have an opener and then he they they said we're going to ask a question and then you can go to your opener. Oh, okay. So right. yeah, right. I know. Right. I wish the audience would have kind of because it, it was a weird and I'm like how am I going to transition from faith to talk about <laughs> yeah, the points you want <laughs> yeah. about what I want. Yeah. So uh it it seems like the the uh uh campaign is now it's gotten a little bit more personal, a little bit more uh a little bit more vitriol there. Um I know when uh, one of the comments that we got when you were on the show last time is uh, I don't even know if you mentioned his name. You know, like yeah. we just we talked about issues and we talked right. about uh, what you wanted to do and, and your goals and aspirations. And, um, you know, the, the subject of, of Feenstra did not come up. Well, now it seems like uh, he's he's going for the jugular. Yeah. Well, you know, we did a, a town hall after that at, at, in Boone last night. And I don't think I even mentioned his name there. And it's just we talk about what we're for and not just who we're against. But then when you actually are in a debate, you, you kind of have to like point engage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just um, it, I think the biggest thing was uh, you, you see his ads uh, seem to be uh, about me and uh, if I believe in the Green New Deal or not. That seems to be the focus of his campaign and uh, it, it, which is 
crazy because I've never said I supported it. Um, I don't know if but, I but you you put a tweet out in 2018 or whatever it was. <laughs> you, you know, um, Lauren sent this to me earlier today. I can probably bring them up. What they are? It what? So in 2019, at the very beginning in February, uh, I I think I had two tweets about it, or, or maybe three, uh, two, and they were all basically. Uh, my criticisms of it saying like, Oh, I, um, if they included rural America or stuff like that. So I did tweet a retweet an article and then I had my comment on there. So it was my criticism of it. And so the, the thing that was really weird though, is he attacked my nonprofit job. It was a, a anti-poverty nonprofit that focuses on the rate <laughs> earned income, income tax, tax credit. credit. Yeah. And, like, and you yeah. had the audacity to make yeah. $65,000 yeah. to you, you fat 60, ass. 60,000. Yeah. 60, yeah. yeah. Thanks for the correction. He said it was like it was 600000 I, I was yeah. like, well, you and your uh, house on Westlake Okoboji <laughs> on that income. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, that's the, this is what I'm running against is, is I, I'm tired of, uh, like this, this political thing where you raise money and you just bash the other side. Let's talk about issues. Let's focus on the issues. And, and that's what we try to do. I, I don't think it really came well over on the debate or maybe that as well as I, as we would want, or like just to focus on the issue, focus on the issue. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had to stand my ground when I said, you know, I've told him. So the issue was at the corn, our first corn growers, he started talking about the green new deal. And I, I, I stopped immediately and said, listen, I don't support it. And then four days later, we saw the ad on TV mm-hmm. saying in a scary grainy voice. And he's, he watches like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh man. So, well, it, it was uh, a lot better than the presidential debate though. Are we just going to grab some for beers that. and just start watching that and just like live <laughs> commenting on it tonight? <laughs> that was, <laughs> I got my fill the first go around actually. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, oh, a tough, tough to sit through. To be perfectly honest, you know, and it's 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 doing uh, the country a disservice when we can't have a, a decent dialogue and everything like that. It just it's it's frustrating. I think people are just so uh, turned off. One of the things I've been talking about more and more is campaign finance reform, and, and we should have some sort of limitation. I think people are just tired of the commercials, tired of of um, just nonstop and. and Think about the state of Iowa, at least for me, ever since 2018 was done, the caucus happened. And, and that was just bombardment in, in 20 people running and just nonstop. And it, it was it was exhausting. And so I don't know. I think we all could use a little bit of break and maybe we should have a uh, uh, you can't start a campaign for, I don't know, in, halfway through the, the right. Yeah. Or something and like that. Especially when you've got two year terms that you're. Um, yeah. Uh, and speaking of which, you did have a, an interesting um, uh, take or at least it was an interesting exchange between you and Senator Feenstra. Uh, he had mentioned how he had signed that pledge for uh, for campaign reform. Yeah. Um, and you had uh, pointed out that that he said still meant that he was going to be there for 12 years. So there was, when you run for office, you get all these people saying, sign this pledge, sign this pledge. This guy was relentless and uh, I didn't save his phone number. So it popped up and I hardly ever take a a number. I don't know, but for whatever reason, it was in my head that I knew him and I kept on answering it by whatever mistake. And, and this guy just kept on hammering and saying, uh, and this was during the primary. He goes, uh, Randy Feenstra signed this. And I think Jeremy Taylor signed this and everyone, but King signed it. You need to sign it. And, and then there was a, they had their primary debate and Randy didn't really say what it was, but this guy, his thing was it's two terms and you're done. 
or, or three terms. I think it was three terms. It was six years. I'm like, that's not very long, but, but, uh, I go, I don't really have a set time. I, I go, I, I might be interested in term limits. I'm not hundred percent there, but we got to clean up lobbyists and that stuff first. Otherwise we'll just empower lobbyists if we do term limits right away. Sure. Uh, interesting to see how uh, the, the back and forth and, and how it went. Um, what kind of preparation do you have to do for something like that? I mean, that's that's got to be pretty, pretty daunting. You know, the lights on you, the, you got makeup and all that yeah. jazz. And so does Lauren play Randy at that point? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, it was interesting because uh, Randy turned down the Iowa press. Uh, debate and he was the only federal person running in Iowa in federal office to turn that down and so they gave us a full half hour and that was completely different and that was 27 minutes and I got asked 24 questions it was just bam 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 Mm -hmm. and and uh, uh, afterwards Dave Yepsen mentioned uh, he goes oh you were really well prepared and honestly like we, we did a little bit of preparation but the biggest thing is I've held town halls. I, I invite everyone and I just <laughs> And ask you're me willing a to take the questions <laughs> and, and actually answer the questions. <laughs> right. And so like there's not a question I haven't faced. There's there's really nothing um that that we were worried about or anything, but um uh you, you know, when you're in a you, you have a smaller amount of time to answer things, the lights are on, it's a it's a little bit different. But I mean, at the end of the day, you look at our campaign, I mean, I've traveled way more miles. Uh, we've raised more money. Um, we've, uh, my volunteer in my, my, uh, field program is second to none. Uh, we've done everything we've outworked. We've out everything. The only thing that we haven't done is have a, a decent or have the same voter registration. And so we're just hoping enough voters see our hustle, see how hard we work and, and what we're willing to do. Uh, to serve the people of this district and just hoping we can get enough votes that way. Well, all right. Uh, I know that you're uh, you're all about the issues, so we're going to take a brief time out. We'll get into some of those issues next here on Dutch by Association. And that was the last time I went to Canada. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Segment number two. <laughs> Of Dutch by Association. Now, I want to get into uh, some of the the, uh, national issues here that uh, some of it came up last night. Some of it just uh, stuff that that you maybe some of us were wondering or asked about. Uh, Tell us your position on um, minimum wage and how you think that should be done. I know that uh, you had come from a background where... um, you were uh, working for for uh, a, a cor- uh, I guess it was a PAC, right? What uh, my nonprofit? Yeah, no, no. So there's a PAC side and a nonprofit side. Oh, okay. I'd, I had nothing to do with the PAC side. After last cycle, I got offered a, a job to help raise the awareness of the earned income tax credit. Um, there's a, a, a gentleman who started it uh, that that wanted to expand it, and with the caucus and everything, he's looking for somebody in Iowa. And so I held events with a lot of the presidential candidates as long as we could talk about poverty and anti-poverty and, and how to get out of it. And so uh, that's that's what it was all about. So uh, I know one of the tenants of of that uh, organization is raising minimum wage. So what's yeah. your, how do you feel it should go and, and what would you be pushing for should you get elected? So right now it's $7.25. And if you look at, not even the hourly, I think we get caught up in the hourly. Look at the salary for that, for the entire year, that's that's $15,000 and $15,020 or $200. I don't know what my math it's a little over fifteen thousand sure. dollars, and I mean that nowhere in the state of Iowa can you, you live off the minimum wage, 
And, and so like, I'm, I'm a hundred percent raising that, but I, I think, uh, the bigger thing, especially for a district like this, it, we need to, I, I feel like Democrats only talk about the minimum wage. We need to be talking about 60, 70, $80,000 jobs. Those are game changers, even $50,000 mm-hmm. jobs like that. that th- th- those are the type of jobs that will allow kids who grow up here to stay here. And, and we don't have enough of those. And so that's something that, that I tend to talk about more. Um, I, I know like when we talk about uh, a minimum wage, uh, uh, $15, uh, they pass something in the house that about $15 minimum wage, it, it takes, it's a gradual step. So it would help like small businesses jump on board with it. But then you look at the other aspect of this and I know I, uh, last time I was on here, I think I dogged a uh, dollar general and, uh, and so let's, <laughs> let's do it again. <laughs> they, they have eight, $9 an hour job. They're, they don't offer benefits. If they offer them, it's probably minimal. So they're using government subsidy um, uh, for their employees for health insurance. Uh, the money that you spend there doesn't stay here. And, and so like what incentive, if, if an out-of-state company comes in and undercuts your local grocery stores, undercut the local stores, why should they uh, Why should they have incentives, you know? And, and they have these huge taxes that because they're so big, they have huge tax incentives. So they can do this and they do this over and over again. I feel that's the wrong direction. And so if there's a way to the, like flip that over, and, and so they those jobs have to, pay more or something. If you're going to come in here, you're going to have to pay a lot more. You, you can't undercut. You have to uh, uh, pay a, a bigger quality or, or a higher quality or something. So that, that's something in that direction I would like to see. What, what do you think, what tools would you have at your disposal to try and cultivate those uh, higher end jobs? Uh, oh, for for, uh, for like the fifty, sixty, yeah. seventy thousand dollar jobs. I, I think it's investment in technology in this district. You see the Iowa economy is going to be uh, geared towards agriculture technology and I mean it's the writings on the wall for that and so we got to make sure that that we tend to push for that but I mean also it's it's about workers rights I feel a lot of this uh, I look at meatpacking plants and and how that has changed in my lifetime when we moved to Sioux City in 84 uh, the people who are working at the plants now are getting the same wage as 1984 I mean $16 an hour and that you know uh, you, you look at, you go to Denison, you go to Storm Lake, talk to the old timers there. Uh, people in Denison said, oh, you used to know uh, who worked at the, the processing plant. They had the nice car. They, they took the week vacation. They had the boat. And, and now, I mean, they're, it's, it's completely different. So to that end, uh, a lot of those jobs are being filled by immigrant labor, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of which is is of the undocumented sort. So, uh, give us a little bit about your take on on like border security. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely have to have border security. There's no doubt about it. But I th- we have the technology now uh, to to do more advance, and we haven't had immigration reform since 1986. When I was uh, first town hall, we did last cycle was in Storm Lake, and a woman came up to me afterwards and she said it took 17 years and seventeen thousand dollars to become an American citizen, and we're seeing just these horrific stories. I mean, it's so complicated to, to become an American citizen. And so one of the things I would like to see is a pathway to residency, uh, to allow folks to work here legally. Uh, And then if they want to become citizens, earn the right to do so. But, um, there's so many hoops and, 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 uh, difficulties for that to happen. I mean, uh, for the harvest a couple of years ago, I was down in uh, Jefferson and asked the local grain elevate there about uh, their harvest and they needed, I mean, they're a big uh, one and they, they needed 39 employees, seasonal employees to help with the harvest and they didn't get one American citizen. And so 
Uh, I think we're long overdue for comprehensive immigration reform. We haven't had it done since 1986. And uh, I, I, I mean, I, it's partly a joke, but I think the best thing this district has done was get rid of Steve King because now we can finally get immigration reform done. Well, to that end, a lot of people uh, elected Steve King because he was a big proponent for the border wall. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Well, I actually went down to El Paso um, to, to look at it and, and see what happened. So the wall literally doesn't it's just there. It doesn't protect people from coming over. People can either go th- like through the, the um, not the wall itself, but like go through the uh, ports and th- go through different entry points and, and different things that once you cross the river. So let's say you're a refugee or something, you cross the river. Once you meet halfway point uh, in the Rio Grande for, for El Paso, you're on uh, American soil and you become refugee status at that point. So that wall really doesn't protect it. it I mean, it stops you and it points you that you have, you can't just, uh, go anywhere. Yeah. So it, it, it funnels, right? Yeah. It funnels. And, and so, I mean, that, I think that's kind of a misconception, uh, but like we got to make sure that we understand we have the tech, we have technology to come in. You come in here. Okay. Uh, you need to check in with us if you're going to be here for a while, uh, s- stuff like that. You know, uh, I think there's a humane way to do this, but I mean, what we have seen with the 535 children that were taken away from their, their parents, I think is just uh, I think it's a huge sin on America. What about those that are here now? We've got yeah. dreamers and they were kind of up in limbo for a while. And then the uh, justices stepped in. And so how, how do you, you're, you're, you want to be a lawmaker. What do you propose for a law that helps, takes care of, or however you want to look at it, those that are here now that aren't documented? So uh, as far as the dreamers are concerned, we made a promise to them, and I, I and it was just through executive order. I think we need to pass a DREAM Act and, and keep that promise. As far as the, the folks who have been here and been working, and there's an estimated 11 million undocumented uh, um, citizens here, and uh, they, uh, I feel we need to find a pathway to residency and a pathway to citizenship. If, if you've been working here and in, in, uh, in, you've been doing, uh, staying out of trouble and everything, you should earn the right to be here. Uh, I know it's not, not easy, to, but like, look at the flip side. And what Feenstra mentioned at the, the debate the other night or yesterday, uh, he talked about getting rid of all of them, 11 million people. I, I don't know how you do that. Uh, econo- like, just think of how costly that is to, to ship 11 million people. Um, and then, I mean, then you're also talking about breaking up families and all this stuff. I mean, we're, we're given a no good situation in this, uh, to be honest. And what part of the reason what we saw in, and this is what's happened in Southern California, folks from Mexico would come up, uh, work a season and then just go back down and it's very fluid. And then when Bill Clinton kind of shut the uh, borders down, that's when we started seeing, uh, the, the, the issues of where we're at today. And I mean, it, it, we're, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place with a lot of this, but I th- I'm hopeful that there is enough uh, folks in Congress. I, I see a transition uh, a little bit, and I see a glimpse of hope, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can have immigration reform. We know a lot has been said about the the Green New Deal. Can you clarify what, if anything, you are a proponent of in the Green New Deal, and um, uh, maybe just solidify your stance on that? Well, I mean, I don't even know what's all in it. Uh, I, I know it's the biggest thing is combat climate change, um, it, which I feel we need to combat climate change. Uh, I know there's a jobs program in it. Uh, I'm for a jobs program. Uh, infrastructure, we all talk about infrastructure. Nobody does a darn thing about it. 
Um, uh, I, and then beyond that, I, I honestly, I don't know, like, uh, you, people like to talk about farting cows. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what the, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know what they're, they're suggesting in that. To, to be honest, and and I don't think most people do. I don't think like, the people suggesting it know what they're suggesting. Well, to be it, honest with it's, you, it's literally but, a, so it's a non-binding resolution. So if let's say it get it passes the house or it passes and, and it, it it's it's not a bill, so it's it's nothing would change. So like it's it's just an idea. So why are they if it's non-binding? Why care? Well, because it, well, it sounds good. <laughs> well, it's it's <clears throat> kind of I I guess it's something to strive for. I don't know. Um, I like pass. Let's pass a mission statement. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's kind of uh, something similar. And 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 so I mean, I th- I view this. So I think there's two things. So like there's there's a side. Of, I don't believe in the Green New Deal because they didn't include rural. They didn't include uh, farms when when they launch. And to me, that's a no, non-starter. Mm-hmm. And so. But if we're going to talk about climate change, I feel there's opportunities for farmers to have a seat at the table and, and to benefit this district. Uh, we talk about uh, soil health and, and, and getting carbon in there uh, out of the area into uh, the soils, help better yields. Uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I think it's a two for me, it's a two prong approach. It's one it's enforce our antitrust laws. So we empower our farmers to allow them to stay on their land and make a dime. And they can make the decisions because right now we ask for farmers to be more environmentally friendly when they're struggling to make uh, uh, their balance sheet and get out of the red in the balance sheet. Uh, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. So in a perfect world, we've got a lot of farmers. We've got farmers that listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Farmer Joe out here, he's got 400 acres. He rotates corn and beans. Yep. In a perfect world where the laws get passed like you'd like, what does that look like in 10 years for Farmer Joe out here in his 400 acres? What's different than what he's doing now? Okay, so one of the things that I feel is more market. Uh, so, uh, I mean, we, uh, one of the things that right now we are limited with, uh, and then this is more, in, or not more, but it's different in livestock than it is in grain. And it's a little bit more clear in livestock than it is in, in grain as well. With grain, we need the market. So like China, uh, being uh, uh, not in China as much as we were at the beginning of this administration uh, is is worrisome. I don't know if we'll get 100% back. If we get to all of phase one, if China buys up enough to go to all to phase uh, phase one, that almost gets us back to where we started. And so uh, they're changing the global supply chain. So I'm worried about, to be honest, I'm worried about the markets for beans. When it comes to corn, uh, we have the ethanol industry being abused. We end up, uh, uh, I mean, we all know the 4 billion uh, gallons will always be lost, uh, 85 waivers. Like uh, we, we went on several ethanol tours on the 374 town tour and the, a lot of like, no one can tell me where they're gonna be in 10 years. Most of them don't even know where they're gonna be in two years. So th- that's kind of where we're at with corn. So we need those two things to be thriving in order for, for that to happen. Uh, then you go to livestock. Uh, so many livestock folks. I mean, these hog contracts are squeezing farmers out, and, and all these policies. Uh, you lose money, they they tell you to get bigger. You know, and, and we have these get bigger, get off the farm policies. And so, what I'm trying to suggest is, it doesn't matter if you're hundreds of acres, doesn't matter if you're thousands of acres, you should have a chance to succeed. And it doesn't mean that like the person with hundreds of acres get the same as the amount of as thousands of acres, but it, I mean, it just means that. 
right now, if you're only a hundreds of acres, you have to get more debt. You have to get more involved. You have to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally you price yourself out. And, and that's what we're seeing all throughout the district. And so uh, my goal in all of this is to make sure that there's enough markets, there's enough uh, opportunity for farmers to stay on their land and make a dime. So you're, you're advocating for the government to interfere with, with a private enterprise to try and open up these channels. Uh, do you feel that there, there is a, a point where that's, that could become a, a conflict where, where there would be too much government in, intrusion into to private business? Uh, no, uh, because, I mean, this is what our founding fathers wanted. Uh, you look at the Boston Tea Party. It was a rejection of the East India Trading Company, which was a monopoly. You look at uh, Teddy, or, I'm sorry, uh, Thomas Jefferson. In the First Amendment, he wanted a protection from monopolies in there. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get it. But but this we've had the same battle. We, we literally have had the battle that we're having now 100 years ago. And in 1921, the big uh, five were broken up when they had 45% of the market share. But right now, hogs is uh, four companies control 75% of the market share or 70% of market share. In cattle, four companies control 85% of the market share. And so, uh, you know, it is long overdue to balance. It's just about leveling the playing field, having more markets, having more jobs. Uh, you look at if you're selling seed, there used to be my grandpa uh, used to have the seed dealership in Larchwood and it has drastically changed now from from back then. And then then it just it's so frustrating to see where there used to be a lot of dealers. Now it's a regional person and, and it's just there's only four companies. We went down to uh, the uh, Dunlap auction, live, livestock auction. And it was awesome. It was really cool to see, but there was only five people buying because there's only four companies and, and then another guy uh, there. And he, I asked uh, John Shaben who who runs it, and he's like, "Yeah, decade, even two decades ago, there's 20, 40 people here. Now there's only five buyers." And so you, we we it's hard to get them on price fixing, but when you have five people, you're just like, "Oh, you buy that cow, I'll buy this one. You buy this one, you buy." And so like. Uh, you can't really get them on price fixing, so you gotta get them somewhere else. And so, especially in livestock, when you see that there's a lot of bills that are trying to be mentioned, like the Prime Act, uh, 5014, uh, uh, these are all little band-aids on, on a lot of this stuff. It, it, the long-term play in this is enforcing our antitrust laws. I find it interesting we're talking about that. Uh, as you probably saw, Justice Department just filed a suit against Google yeah. for, uh, but antitrust, antitrust violations, yeah. yep. basically, uh, kind of interesting that farmers and uh, Congress people from ag states have been complaining about the anti-competitive practices in the livestock industry for the last two years right. or longer. Haven't heard a word about any of that. Yeah, but now we get into a big money game. But large tech companies, and all of a sudden, it's a big deal. I'd, I'd like to hear your take on that well, and why that is, and, and maybe what you will do to help push the issue for what matters to our constituents. Well. And, and this is my point exactly, is that I feel there's not enough folks who represent agriculture communities. And so we really got to figure out who our allies are right now. And the ones who do, I mean, they take money from packers. They take money from the big guys. And, and this is a huge part of why we need to enforce our antitrust laws. And, and this is why I'm pushing this so much. This is why I feel it's so important to say I don't take any corporate PAC money because at the end of the day, I'm trying to help the farmer out. The, the multinational corporation that has record profits in the past couple of years, they're going to be fine. It, it's the farmers that I'm worried about because at the end of the day, 
the whole reason I decided to, to, to run was to, I made a promise to my grandma to protect our farm. So JD, you're one guy. Yeah. There's 400 and some odd people in the House of Representatives. Yeah. Let's play a little hypothetical game. You win. Yeah. You're on your way there. My first question, just yes or no, are you taking Sioux City Sioux up there and living in D.C. <laughs> in that? Um, <laughs> yes or no. Uh, I'll I say, mean, are you really actually thinking yeah. about it? <laughs> no. I. What, what is the, uh, I, I want a cross-country trip. I would love to. Sure. What's a freshman congressman make? Uh, I don't. It's like a hundred and something thousand. It'd and rent is probably five thousand a month in DC. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, and so this is where Sioux City Sioux comes in handy. Yeah. It's cheaper. So that's what I kind of thought too. So I thought you'd be like, no, that's not going to work. Well, there's there's a campaign side and an official side, so I would have to figure out the logistics. I, I, this is me getting into the weeds of the question. When I, when I should just answer yes. Yeah. Well, that's I even told you yes or no. Well, no, he's he's really thinking about it. Though. Yeah, you can tell. So you get to DC. Who the, this needs to be more than just you, right? So, who across the aisle do you have people in mind across the aisle that you think you could team up with on some of this stuff? So, as far as antitrust, uh, I mean, this is something Grassley talks about all the time. Uh, and, and so, I don't know if you'd, I mean, he hasn't done anything yet on it, and uh, his career is, is he's busy tweeting <laughs> about, about pigeons. About pigeons. <laughs> um, no, so, so, I mean, I. This is, this is, so here's an example of what I was, I've been able to do so far in, I'm not elected yet, but after last cycle, uh, people saw what we were able to do here and move the needle 24 points. And so people were like, oh, he knows what he's talking about a little bit. And so um, I got to work on six of the presidential campaigns and I was uh, very adamant saying this has to be in. We don't, uh, we, I don't feel we'd get to, uh, rural revitalization. I don't think we deal with climate change. We don't deal with a lot of issues that are are, are hurting uh, um, our areas in our main streets without enforcing our antitrust laws. There's so much wealth that's getting sucked out of this district. We economically haven't bounced back since the 2008 economic crisis. And, and I feel that the corporatization of America and the imbalance uh, has really just hurt rural communities. And so this is uh, I, I, something that at the, it's at the root of what I feel that that's wrong in this district. So you would say that's, that's going to be your first thing. You're going to you either find a parking spot or find a place to live. <laughs> and step two would be your, this is what you'd pursue. Uh, there's no bigger thing I'm more passionate about. Like, you know, healthcare, we all need healthcare. I understand that, but there's hundreds of people there that are, that, that's their jam. I'll jump on board with that. The biggest thing that I can bring to the table out in D.C. is start pushing these issues. And and I was on a podcast or, or a, a Zoom. We or don't Facebook. talk about. Oh, no, okay. So this is, this is, this is, uh, no, there's a group called uh, uh, Grassroots USA Beef or Grassroots Beef USA, uh, and they're. Um, uh, I, d I did a Zoom with them, and I mean, these are three people who, I mean, if you look in their profile, um, uh, they are uh, ranchers and farmers for Trump. And they retweet me. They like me all the time because I'm one of the, they know that I'm one of the few allies they have. And, and they uh, um, uh, it, it was really it's, it's been weird, but it's really cool to see like, OK, good. This is what this is the whole reason I'm running is so we can go through partisan divide and do uh, just basic things. And then, I mean, if you really want to get wonky with this next year, my first year in Congress will be a 100 year anniversary of the Packers and Stockyards Act. And who sponsored that? It was a Republican congressman from Northwood, Iowa, 
and my grandmother was a teacher at Northwood, Iowa. And so for me, this, I mean, it's full circle mm -hmm. and it's just uh, allowing for our, uh, our farmers to pass it on their, their life's work to the next generation. This is at the forefront of that. Aaron, I'm going to kind of direct this at you and then let you take the lead with it. So uh, as JD talks about um, having farmers for Trump, um, you know, kind of wave the JD Schultz flag a little bit. Uh, you know, especially uh, with your background, uh, how prevalent single issue voting is, uh, especially in, in uh, this district. Can I want you to kind of expound upon uh, what we talked a little bit about on the last episode about how you as a conservative Christian could um, could make make a case for J.D. Schulten. Yeah, out of the blue, I I. <laughs> Came, I, I laid the case for J.D. Went off Schultz. on a tangent. I did. Yeah, I went <laughs> off on a tangent. Well, I was upset from that morning, and I still hadn't gotten over it. But. So, it uh, and the last podcast episode nearly cost me a job, but I talked the guy into letting me do it yet. So, that's not wow. bad. But uh, <laughs> he's huge Trump guy. Okay. So, single issue voting. We talked about it last time. Uh, your conservative Christians in this neck of the wood are really going to struggle with the fact that you are aligning yourself with a party that will push for maintaining abortion, uh, that it can happen in the United States and perhaps even become taxpayer funded. How, when you, when you talk to us, how, how do you get us to support you when I know Randy's going to go there and he'll, he will fight my battle for me on the issue of abortion? Help me walk through this, why I, I should be giving you my support. Well, I think the goal should be, from what we can do from a political standpoint on, on passing legislation, I feel if we just criminalize abortion, it doesn't necessarily reduce abortion. And so the goal should, I think there's common ground in this in that our goal should be reducing abortion and making sure that, that uh, women and families are safe. And, and uh, you hear stories all the time of different uh, reasons why people have had to have them. I've heard uh, um, uh, the, the senator from uh, Michigan, his wife, uh, after they had a couple kids, ended up uh, having uh, having something happen with the baby where if it would uh, uh, stay for pregnancy and she would have got an infection and it's something like just life-threatening and just awful, awful stuff. Something that like just we don't want to think about. So there are certain times when, when we need it. And so uh, the, I, my view, the goal is to reduce it. And how do you do that? It's the same issues that I've been talking about just in generally. It's, and these are all proven, 90, uh, I mean, proven to reduce abortion. It's universal health care. It's raising the minimum wage. It is uh, um, education. Um, how does universal health care, how does that affect me as I sit here in Sheldon with a hospital in my town. Yep. Uh, we're hearing of rural hospitals closing up shop or you have to go further and further and further away for yep. prenatal care, that kind of thing. How does universal health care impact that? Yeah. So what I want to do, the privatization in Medic, Medicaid in the state of Iowa has hurt rural hospitals. It's hurt uh, senior citizens. It's hurt uh, people with disabilities. Um, one of the things I want to do with Medicare is expand the reimbursement rate. And so it would help improve rural hospitals and allow them to stay uh, because this is something that's coming 
uh, more and more. I mean, we hear it everywhere. I, and just hearing this on our 374 town tour. Uh, but, but getting back, one of the areas that when it comes to abortion that I don't think it's talked about enough is making sure adoption is more easy. And I would say, affordable. when you talk about, you gave an example of somebody who said, look, I want to become an American citizen and I want to do it the right way, but it costs me how many years and how many tens of thousands of dollars? How many people out there are saying the same thing when it comes to adoption? I want to right. adopt. My husband and I, my wife and I, we can't have yeah. kids. We want to adopt. We need to, now we need to have a fundraiser because we yeah. need 30,000 to make this happen. So, And actually, that's part of the 2017 tax bill uh, some of it, it made it harder and, and took some of the uh, credits out of it for adoption and so uh, that's something that uh, I would like to see reversed as well uh, and so I mean there's just um, I, I think there's commonality here and more so than what people think and um, but getting back to the the healthcare question, you know, th- this is uh, w- we've seen OBGYNs in, in the state of Iowa. Over thirty have have closed in the last fifteen years, and there's two in, in this district alone since last cycle. Once in one in uh, Webster City and the other in Iowa Falls, and these are not small towns. And so, h- how do you grow a community if you are forcing your your uh, women to get the the care they need during pregnancy? having to travel an hour one way and it's just it's not improving. and this is america right well and and but this is my point it is getting harder and harder to live in rural america in rural iowa specifically and this is what i'm trying to get going in the reverse that and and i mean this is the reason like i'd, I'd say i'd uh, launched the campaign because my grandma told me to take care of the farm, but it's not only about the farm, it's about the farming communities and, and the communities feed off of each other. And the, uh, if the, um, you know, if, if the Melbournes are, are doing well, uh, then, then Sheldon's are doing well. If Sheldon's are doing well, then, then Sioux Cities and Sioux Falls. And it's a trickle up effect, I feel. And it's success breeds success. Do you think that, uh, speaking of the rural hospitals, um, are you proponent of uh, Obamacare as it stands? I, I want, I mean, it's starting to price people out. It's getting too expensive. Uh, I would like to see a public option so it helps stabilize the market. I think that's a direction uh, we should we should be going. Uh, my goal is universal health care. I think that is shaped in a lot of different ways. Um, I, I don't know what the end product is going to be because I think we got to see one. Does the ACA make it through the courts right now with the uh, November 11th uh, date? And then the other part of it is... Um, uh, uh, do we who wins the presidency uh, and and where we're going? We just I mean we, you mentioned it. We're the wealthiest country in the world uh, as taxpayers. We are already paying more per person than any other country in the world. We're just not getting a very good bang for our buck. Where's the money going? Uh, a lot of it. I mean, a lot of different ways, but uh, a, a lot of it is. Yeah, I mean, you have CEOs of, of of these health insurance that are making thirty million dollars a year. Um, you, you see pharmaceutical companies that uh, the drug hasn't changed a bit, but now instead of being $30, it's now $3,000 or $300. Like there is, it's a lot of little things like that. And it just, it, we're going in the wrong direction. We, we got to prioritize our health. Um, and I mean, I think of my dad a lot in a lot of this and, and I love him to death, but like he's cheap and <laughs> he won't go to a doctor unless it's the absolute like emergency. And then that's usually the most costly. And so uh, if we can figure out a way to just uh, improve our health uh, and, and I think mental health, we don't talk about mental health enough. I would like to have a, a scenario where it's just health. Uh, I don't think we're at a point 
uh, where we have to separate mental health anymore. Um, and I mean, you, you saw the stat that during this pandemic, uh, was it from 19 to 29 year olds? One in four of them thought about suicide uh, in in just the past few months. And it just it, it it's hard. And you're seeing farmers uh, with the de- depressed agriculture economy and and having that burden of having that family farm. Uh, more and more farmers are, are struggling. You know, we we just need to be there for our for each other. So I'd like to circle back to something you said about. You want to see farmers be able to leave their farm to their heirs, yeah. And it's it continually gets harder to stay and live and, and make a living in rural America. I would say uh, a lot of Republicans' criticism uh, in in farming states would be uh, of Democrats would be their advocacy for the estate tax or the death tax, right. as they sometimes call it. I think the current exemption today is roughly. Eleven and a half million dollars per individual, twenty-three million dollars for a couple, which is quite high, actually. Yeah. But uh, I'd like to hear what are your thoughts on the current exemption? What do you think it should be, and how would how do you see that affecting the ability for family farms to carry on? Yeah, I, I think there is a difference too between if you're on your farm and operating it, or if you're if it's just in the family and, and passing it down too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of this has to be incorporated. Um, into the decision like like our family it's down to my parents generation and and we have a family friend owning it and so uh i think that um uh, you know i i think that's something that that's a little bit different than if we were on there and 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 wanting to pass it on and so uh you know i think we should find ways to make it easier Uh, i'd be uh, uh, open to suggesting um uh, a transition but when we see actually how many farmers it actually um impacts it's really not a, a ton. It what was it like under five percent or something like that. And less than that actually yeah, is yeah. from what I've seen. Yeah, but so yeah. like, so I, I mean, I don't want to do something so somebody uh, on Long Island can have a third yacht. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to make sure that it's impacting our farmers and our rural communities. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of discussion about a lot of this has been for people who aren't actually here, and and, and that's uh, where the narrative I get a little bit frustrated with. So how do you change that? Uh, you, you know, I to be honest, uh, look down. I've tried to look down avenues on on seeing what's the engagement of the family. Like when we passed our farm to the next generation, when it passed from my grandma's to my my mom, everything was in a trust, and it was uh, it went relatively easy. But uh, if if we didn't have that trust, then then there would be uh, way different legal ramifications to do that. So, um, I mean, I, I'm open. Before I would promise this though, before I would ever vote on something. I would show up and, and ask, you know, and, and I think that was part of the, the beauty of the 374 town tour. I talked with people and especially farmers who will always vote for me. And I talked with farmers who will never vote for me and everywhere in between. And before, and like I, I took this a lot from Berkeley Bedell and before he passed, he used to show up and have town halls and said, how should I vote on this? And this is something I would never uh, 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 vote on something of this magnitude. Uh, without uh, having to, to have town halls or discussions with with folks, and and I would love to have that. I would love to have a a um, uh, when I win to have some sort of advisory board. I don't care politically, like like if you're Democrat, Independent, Republican, like if you have a voice in this, uh, I, I want to hear these stories. I want to hear what's on the ground. That's that's what I loved about the tour was like, especially stopping before the harvest at, at grain elevators. Hear what's going on the ground. Hear what the farmers are going through. 
um, that's uh, that's part of the reason why I did this. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask, I've seen some Democrats advocate for lowering the exemption to a million or two million dollars or something like that, which granted is a lot of money, but right. it's not when you're looking at the value of farm ground. Oh, and my goodness. Machinery no. and stuff oh like my God. that. So I, I was curious what well, if you had any idea on but, what an appropriate exemption would be or if yeah. it would, it's well, situational. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, the, what, what I found out is there's a lot of folks farming because they don't want to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's the only reason. Aaron, Aaron the plumber who also files a schedule. Schedule F. F. Well, I sell machinery for a living. So the people that are avoiding tax liability, they're my best people. Yeah. So I'm not going to say anything bad about them. <laughs> So, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. And, and like, listen, I'm, I'm not looking to sell out our, our district or anything like that. And, and, and so at the end of the day, you know, I'll be around. I show up. I listen. I hold town halls. We've held over 100 of them. Can bring anything to the table. And we'll uh, choose that point to take a brief time out. Back with segment three next here on Dutch by Association. leave that out all right welcome back segment number three dutch by association we're here with our uh our good friend uh podcast buddy yeah and i mean the the invitation was here and you came back again <laughs> with we, beer with, with beer. right i couldn't believe it god bless you sir yep you got uh, time in the next two weeks to come back a third time yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, suddenly it's going to get really expensive. He's going to have to spend some of that money. Because <laughs> it's a campaign expense. Well, speaking of which, how do you get your money? All right, so so it was brought up last night about... Um, My job? Uh, yeah. That was last year. Yeah. I, I haven't worked in it in over a year. Uh, and then you had the audacity to make 60 grand a year. Yeah. Um, this year is even worse, <laughs> I, if you really want to know. <laughs> how... Uh, so... Are you referring uh, to the percentage of donations? Well, so it, it, Feenstra brought up that your money, I think one of the quotes was, it came from places like San Francisco and California. Oh, is this one? Is, is this when he said all of it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that was a little. Yeah. Back to the whole. Can you represent your oppositions? Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't look like it. So as far as campaign finance uh, is concerned, uh, I don't take any corporate PAC money. I turned down the D Triple C's money. It's a lot of grassroots uh, campaign uh, um, money. It's it's a lot of five dollar donations. Uh, I mean, we get some twenty eight hundred dollars, but. It's few and far between. Uh, we, I think every uh, quarter this cycle, I've gotten from all 50 states. And this last quarter, I think uh, there was all but six counties in this, in, in Iowa. Like we, we out, he kept on mentioning his number 2,900, I think it was uh, donations from Iowa. We've had over 4,500 uh, in last quarter alone. So, I mean, we raised more than money than him in, yeah. in the state of Iowa. Uh, and none of it, and it's a lot harder what we do because uh, a corporation can give them five thousand dollars, and and a lot of his packs can give them five thousand dollars. That's a thousand five dollar contributions from us. But but there's a lot of grassroots uh, interest in, in um, I, at least on the Democratic side. So what does it say that you're getting money from states other than Iowa? I, I mean, it's I I don't know. Like is it, 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 I guess the the cynical part of me is that it's, you know, you've got outside donors that are hoping to flip a seat. 
is that uh, versus you know someone that actually wants to affect real change in Iowa's fourth district? Yeah, I, I, I think there's an argument for that, but there's also you know like I'm very clear uh, on what I stand for, and you know I've had to. Uh, I, I'm sure I've turned off people uh, by my stances on on certain issues, but uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's weird. I you know I I hate having to raise like it's 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 raising money sucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, how, and it's, how, it's not easy. Well, here's the thing. So my very first quarter last cycle was forty one thousand dollars, and it was forty one of the hardest thousand dollars I ever raised. It was calling my buddies who donated a hundred bucks and asking, Hey, do you got 10 more bucks to chip in? I, I'm really behind. My first quarter this time was $410,000 and it was in two less weeks. Uh, it is just, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is digital online. Like, I don't know who a lot of the donors are because they just, they see our act blue link and they just, they chip in and they'll see a tweet of ours or something on social media. They, they chip in. And so, you really don't get to, it's not like, uh, I mean, I'm, you got to call, you got to do a lot of different things, but, but, uh, uh, um, the, the personal relationships are the, all the people in Iowa, you know? Sure. And, uh, so I see you have out earned, mm-hmm. uh, Senator Feenstra. So what, as we get into here under two weeks left to go, where, where will that money be spent? Uh, so it will go, we have staff, uh, mostly advertisements. You mean she's not working for free? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we um, did overtime. <laughs> uh, gas for the RV. <laughs> Lord knows we do our part to keep up with the ethanol industry. And <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean the majority of it is probably ads and uh, whether it's new pa- newspaper, radio, um, uh, television's the big one. So yeah. And it's it's nuts. You raise all this money to to just run a TV ad. It's it's weird. But like the D triple C, and and the big thing with them is their one size fits all model is you don't go out on the road. You stay home. You raise as much money and you try to win it on on television ads. And I, I was just like, I don't stand a chance. I mean, we know the voter registration numbers here, and it's not in my favor. I got to go out and I got to meet people. I got to earn votes and. And that's uh, that's why we we ended up saying no to them as well. It's very interesting that despite that fact, you're able to to get the numbers that you do monetarily. So now uh, we took take a look at some more of the I guess more local issues that we're facing. Uh, obviously, COVID being a, a big one of those. How uh, you touched a little bit about this uh, last night, uh, and I want you to just kind of get into it for us. What is your your take on Governor Reynolds' response to the pandemic? What would you do different? What would you like to see done different, if anything? I think we really missed out early on. I think a lot of us were willing to shut down in March and, and do stuff to to help get over this, and, and I think it's patriotic of, of of being asked to do something like that. But we never knew what the next step was. Uh, we, we, we didn't know what success looks like. We, we'd never like, here's an example. If a family member, if a child or, or a spouse ends up getting COVID, what are you supposed to do? Do any of you guys know? Yeah. I mean, no. that, that should be every American should know every, every household should know, you know? And, and so my biggest thing is we didn't have a national plan. So when I'm in Sioux city, we had 50 States have a plan. I have three states within five miles of, of my house. I mean, including the one I live in, I guess. But um, so so my head's on a swivel because like if I cross the river, 
I don't know what their their plan was or if I had needed a mask, if I didn't and all this stuff. So I, I think going forward, we need a national plan. Uh, we need to have it so it's flexible with, with local needs, um, like working with local school boards and everything like that uh, to allow them to have the flexibility. But the biggest thing is we gotta test, test, test. We should have everybody getting test, figure out where it's at because a lot of people don't know they have it. And, and so uh, I, I heard on the campaign really early on too, uh, when we first started the tour, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And it's like, how, how do you know? How do you know? <laughs> you never know. And so we really err on the side of caution, uh, the most, uh, the best we can, and, and just, uh, I, I feel if it's, it's about. Te- we got to make sure we test everyone. The experts have said we are always eight weeks away from getting over this, but I mean, it's eight hard weeks. And are we willing to commit to that? Or I don't know. And can, like, can our economy sustain that? Exactly. And so, like, that's, but like. Are we doing studies? Are we do what are we doing here? And, and like, once we get the vaccine, do we have a plan for that? Who, who gets it? Does it just the wealthy people get it, or do all of us get it? You know? If it's offered to you, will you take the vaccine? Uh, I mean, if I, I mean, if it looks good and like everything else, like I, I don't know if I would be the first person. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't really thought about it. So, but but then you you also have the task force, this uh, uh, the CDC saying that there's many preventable deaths in the state of Iowa. Uh, Governor Re- Reynolds came out and said um, with schools, or what she the, the, the big thing was I think uh, Johns Hopkins said uh, schools should shut down if there's three uh, percent positivity rate in, in the county. Um, uh, the WHO I think said five percent, and then I think Governor Reynolds just multiplied the two and said fifteen percent. <laughs> Uh, and then here we were this, this past week, statewide, we were 50%, <laughs> which was first in the nation. I mean, it is, it's just. And, we, yeah, and where, we, where you sit right now is a hot zone. Community, community spread. Yep. It's not one place. And so it is, uh, you know, we're not getting better and our economy's not getting better. And I, I think the Dow, the Dow is as high as it's ever been, though, J.D. Well, and that is my biggest frustration. The economy is not the, the market. It's not acting right. <laughs> well, the economy is not well, Wall not the stock market. Yeah, exactly. It's not the same thing. And, and but it does provide cheap money. I mean, like I'm getting my I, I get a 30 year mortgage on a house for under three percent. Unheard of. Obviously, there is some uh, some incentive to to get that spending, but uh, it sounds like new housing starts are starting to climb. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen throughout the whole district are small businesses uh, are, are tending to suffer, like especially the restaurants, sure. you know, and, retail here, yeah, yeah. and retail. Well, yeah. re- so this is something in Sioux City. We've had uh, before COVID, we had the the Lakeport Commons area, which is new to me because I I'm, I grew up. Uh, right in that right by East High area, and so like all that is brand. New. I still consider it the new. Sure, area. Right. but we had two major retail uh, 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 stores go under, and yeah, that mall is is just a, a shade of what it used to be. Well, in oh, in, in the Southern Hills Mall, yeah, yep. exactly. And yep. so I just I, the the economy's changing, and I I feel that we got to f- figure out a role. And this is, I think the overall theme, one of the overall themes of, of what I'm trying to do in DC is how does global globalization work as it affects the working class? We're seeing jobs shipped overseas in when it comes to manufacturing, uh, we're, we're seeing like, like the example is like the farmer. Um, if the farmer's struggling to make cost of production right now, and yet we have these multinational corporations having record profits, not just profits, record profits. 
how does the, the how does that work? Like, what's what's the role of that farmer in all this? And then you look at like, uh, I guess we'll go down trade a little bit, but you see China changing its global supply chain, going to uh, Brazil, and who's selling the Brazilian beans to China? Same companies that are selling the same corporations that are selling. Iowa beans to China. So where does the farmer fit in that equation? Because these multinational corporations aren't loyal to the Iowa farmer. And that's my big thing. That's why we got to empower the farmer and make sure that they have a role to play in all this. And it's interesting to see how how global that has become. You know, we're no longer just uh, farming for sustainability. We're farming for, uh, for market share, for global market share. I've had some people wonder, like, okay, you're. It seems like everything that you're 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 advocating for is for the farmer. What about those of us that aren't the farmer? Well, I mean, this district, the background of this district is farmer and uh, farmers and, and small businesses, and I I feel both have their backs against the wall. Uh, I mean, you look at small businesses. How do you compete against uh, the bigger ones when when they get tax invent, uh, incentives and, and you don't? If how are you supposed to hire somebody? When you, you can't offer health insurance and the big guys can't or a bigger company can. And so I feel that that's a huge part of our healthcare system is we got to figure out healthcare as it works for, for those folks. And, and there's a huge disadvantage right now with that. There's huge disadvantage in healthcare and there's huge disadvantage in, in, in the tax breaks, I feel. And so uh, that's a huge part of why our main streets aren't, aren't doing that well. And I would say, uh, you know, you want to look what what would Iowa look like if we couldn't grow corn and soybeans and livestock? Drive through Western South Dakota, where all they can grow is grass. <laughs> yeah, and then not look, even that well, and not even very well. And then look at what their communities look like, and look how many people live out there, and look how much industry outside of farming there is. So that's why we worry about farming. Sure. Well, and, and then where's the climate going to be in 10 years and 20 years too? And, and that's one thing I worry. There's, we're going to have droughts in areas. I mean, heck here, I don't, uh, at least in Sioux County, didn't they have to shut down the harvest for a day or two because of the wind? Yeah. And it was such a fire danger. Yeah. that. Yep. I mean, I don't, has that ever happened before? In 2012, oh, okay. we had that a okay. few times, but, yeah. but yeah. it oh, should be considered the last normal. biggest drought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, Janie, I put it out on my Twitter and Facebook that you were coming on to encourage all of my Republican friends to <laughs> uh, private message me any questions they had. And a couple that did want me to ask you, uh, what is your stance with um, the Second Amendment? Yeah. And how what laws would you pass or, or what laws would you support uh, as far as restrictions on different types of firearms that are OK to have now? Well, I think the biggest misnomer that's out there is there's this, it's either the second amendment or gun safety. And I think there's commonality for both. And, uh, you know, when anytime there is a murder or, or by gun or gun violence or suicide by, by a gun, it ultimately hurts the reputation of a responsible gun owner. And so I think the way that I would go through, through thinking about things is, is how do we make sure we, the responsible gun owner is is still has a decent reputation because I mean they're getting hammered right now in, in a lot of different areas. For me, it is m- more about the special interest and cleaning up the special interest. Um, I mean, uh, and I'll straight up the NRA. Like I I would 
the amount of money that and influence that they have on members of Congress, I, I feel is is wrong for the country. Sure. The libertarian uh, position is that if the army can have it, the private citizen should be able to have it, too. Uh, talk about that. How would you respond well, to that? I think there already is a limit where, you know, I don't think my neighbor needs a tank or a nuclear <laughs> And that's bomb. what comes to my mind, right? right? But a lot of people... It'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I couldn't afford it. Right, right, right. But a lot of people, a lot of my friends are worried that, Aaron, you're pushing us to think about JD, but he's going to get there and then all of a sudden uh, there's going to be these buyback programs and these red flag things yeah. and I'm going to have to give up my... Uh, whatever, if, rifle. If they're a responsible gun owner, they don't have to worry about it. That's how I feel. Okay. Uh, finally, a uh, question that's really been weighing heavy on my heart and my mind. Um, Kenta Maeda for Bruce Dargratterall. Who won? <laughs> oh, you know, I, to, y- I'm to so de- glad you knew what he was talking about. Because <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think it's yet to be determined. Oh, boy, Bruce Dar is looking oh. good. But, I mean, Twins needed that starting pitching. They did. And, and he, he lived up to it. He had a great year. He did. So so what did you say? You said it so quickly. It sounded yeah, like, it sounded like you were talking. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about a different language. So the Minnesota Twins. Have, did you say Minnesota Twins? No, I just oh, said. No, no, no. I, Ma- I, said two I did not yeah, hear yeah. that. I said Kenta Maeda for Bruce Dar Gratterall. Yeah. yeah. Kenta Maeda for Bruce Dar Gratterall. <laughs> yeah. Kazuntite. Huh? JD got a, That's good. I'm glad that would have. I don't know. I'll mark that for deletion later. <laughs> I thought Wayne was having a stroke on there. But. Nope. Just turns out we watch more baseball. Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, you're, you're really good, JD. Why does everyone? Why is everyone able to throw over 95 now? Oh, I don't know. You, well, no, I, I do know uh, a little bit because so. Oh. Last time I was yeah, on. Yeah, you were yeah, going to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this happened. <laughs> so uh, uh, the goal is to hit 87 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And well, and, and to answer your question is, is there's programs right now that are so strength specific towards the muscles you need. And, and like there's so much hyper focus on um, like when I threw bullpens. Uh, it, or anytime when I was playing, we were in the VHS era. So like to go frame by frame, you get the fuzz. Right. Like just, yeah. it, it was awful, and you never you couldn't tell if that was your hip or if that was just fuzz or like you're like. And so right. now, like when I was training, just my iPhone and how clear a picture, and so I could see. Oh my goodness, I'm not driving at all. And so like you can see your hip, you can see where elbow, like everything. It's so clear, and so I'm so jealous. And then now there's all these programs that each pitch you throw in your bullpen, they're like, Oh, you need more spin on it. So you, you, you it's so precise that, that they can uh, maximize the power. And so it, it's nuts. Do you um, think supplements play into that? I, I mean, I mean, obviously I, I, like I wouldn't call, would, call them out for, for like steroids level, what they were right, doing before. But right. I mean, they're, I would say there's lifting involved where there wasn't the, the, the focus on it where it was before. And, and so, I mean, back when I was growing up is like, squat that's it like pitcher pitcher squat (laughs) you you want big butt and (laughs) use it throw hard yeah like that's it um so uh so yeah so uh my goal was to hit 87 miles an hour in the time that it would have been the state fair this year and so i was um 
uh, long tossing. I was, I was doing a lot of things. I, my hammy was, was bothering me cause I'm getting old. And, uh, so we ended up finding a date to do it and we did it uh, down in Des Moines and there. I'm going to name drop another podcast. I apologize. We can delete Whatever. it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Moonlight Graham uh, podcast is, is a gentleman who, who does a lot of sports figures in the state of Iowa. And it's, it's especially for the underdog uh, athletes. And it's really cool. I got to be friends with the guy. I hit him up and said, Hey, I'm going to be in Des Moines. Could you, because and he, and he was excited. He saw this and he, according to him, uh, he and I are the only people who, uh, adult guys, I guess, who have a, a net in their backyard that throws bullpens in their backyard. And so that's, <laughs> he saw it on Twitter and he's yeah. like, okay, we're, we're, we're buds. And so, Kindred spirits, so, yeah. uh, uh, I, I told him, I'm like, Hey, I actually have some meetings down in Des Moines. Would, uh, you want to, uh, would it be okay if you, could you set this up? And he, he set it all up. And so we went to this, um, a really nice facility down there and start throwing and uh first few ones like I, I, i'm 82 83 and uh weak yeah and so <laughs> so the guy i can't throw half that. <laughs> so, so the 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 guy who had the facility goes well the lower you're throwing you're, you're better maybe go off the mountain like 83 like i think i hit 84 once but it's like again 82 to 84 and then took a little bit of break and then start throwing again and start, start to come. And there was about five, uh, in, in about seven throws, I was like 86.1. And, and, but then, uh, I was like, ah, I can do it. I can do it. And then started going down. I was getting tired. Mm. So I took a break. And then if you, there was a video of it. And if you see the video, uh, I go, all right, I got three left. Cause I didn't want to waste people time. I was, I was spent. And I, I let go and, and I had a little grunt on this one, 87, and just, it was the most joyous 87. <laughs> like the, everyone jumps up and it, it was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it I wasn't able to strength train or anything like that and like running for Congress and trying to do this was not the easiest of things, but I, it was one of those moments where like it, 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 I was proud. I was very happy that I hit it. What got that in your mind to do that? Uh, so the state fair last year, I w- was down there and I passed, uh, and I hadn't touched a ball in a couple of years and I bought six balls and the first one I threw was 67. I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then it started going up and then I hit above 80. And so I won this huge minion. And so I'm walking around the state fair and keep in mind, this is when the caucus was. So there was all these presidential candidates and all this national media. And it just like, and then Steve Bullock, governor Bullock from Montana, I walked past and he's like, what the heck is that? And so, so, uh, that just kind of got into it. And then when the pandemic hit, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I need competition. I, I'm a competitor. I need something uh, other than congressional race, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this that small thing. Uh, and so, uh, I I was immediately bought two dozen balls and, and a net, and was like, you know what? That this will be a goal. So, how's your knuckleball? That'll be. I've the, never thrown one. No, you, now you're at the age where, where you can you can go back <laughs> as a knuckler. Yeah, Phil Necro it for the next. You know, if, if this con- whole congressional thing doesn't work out for I you, know, I know because what did he pitch to? I mean, yeah. but Jamie Moyer is the yes, uh, yep. But he was a lefty. So, but hey, um, what's his name? Big Sexy made a 
career <laughs> out of Tolo it. Cologne. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> His home run. Oh, oh yeah, the epic. They, they, I love that. Like a lot of the baseball like uh, beat writers, like there's Bartolo Colon Day every year. The the, the, the anniversary of him hitting his home run. <laughs> Just so many of us can identify with him. <laughs> I look like that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, him and David Wells. Oh Those yeah, the two guys boomer. <laughs> boomer throws a no hitter on LSD or whatever it was. <laughs> Jeez. Just got out of the cement truck, came to the ball diamond. <laughs> Well, J.D., we appreciate you uh, taking the time. I know that it's uh, uh, you've had a, a long week. And uh, what's what's next on your horizon? What, what's the schedule look like? Heading back to Sioux City. Uh, got a bunch of events tomorrow. Starts off with a Zoom, I believe, and then uh, end up at the Humboldt uh, County Democrats Soup Supper. Uh, I think I'm meeting with a couple pastors or a couple priests on the way there uh, and also a child care uh, facility uh, that is run through a high school in Galva Holstein, either Hells, either Holstein or Galva, one of the two. Um, I mean, just kind of we, we bounce from completely different thing. And it's sure. so weird. Like to me, it's weird, the transition, because I'm the one driving. So. I get to a place and then I have to check my phone because I've been driving and see all the messages, answer those real quick, meet with the person, and then my messages from when I met with the person <laughs> go to the next place I'm driving, and then same thing in like completely different things. So it's I mean it's it's anything and everything. And so what's your comm scale doing? I <laughs> Tomorrow she's leaving me. She's she's hanging me out to dry. No, she what? she's You're got a, <laughs> no. She's she's got a lot of work to do. So she's staying in Sioux City tomorrow, and then we're meeting up on Saturday. So and they then o- they only need one judge at the soup supper. <laughs> <laughs> I love this bisque. Nice bisque. <laughs> Anything above? Uh, if if anybody from uh, Humboldt is listening and there is judging, I don't know if there is, but uh, anything above ketchup makes me sweat. So. <laughs> My kind of what guy. are your people? Yes. <laughs> I could, I, point number four to my case for JD Schultz. <laughs> Is there anything uh, on your travels on, on all these three hundred some odd cities? Is there any any uh, stop or anything that particularly sticks out? Like wow, that's really unique, or really like just kind of grabs your attention. Uh, the lavender farm in Missouri Valley was something different. Uh, and if you ever go through there, it's not too far off the interstate. The lavender cookies, phenomenal. Lavender I know, cookies. I know. Never had them before. <laughs> um, uh, y- you know, the, but the, I mean, the most meaningful thing is there was, I met a guy named Roger Walker and I mentioned him last night in the debate. He was, he's the last dairy farmer in Palo Alto County. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's been in the family for a hundred years. They've been milking cows. His brother milks with him. His brother's uh, never uh, had a vacation. And according to Roger, never gone on a date. Oh, 57 years old. This guy only knows milking the cows. And uh, the the company that, that uh, used to pick up his milk, they're like, uh, it's, it's out of our system or it's out of our, it's too far out of our service. We're, we're not, we're discontinuing uh, that line. And so uh, he, he came and had to sell out or sell, sell part of his cows and he got like 50 cents uh, on the dollar for, for them. Mm-hmm. And he has a few now that he just pretty much feeds them the milk that they produce uh, and a little bit more, but like he, he doesn't know what's next. And like, I mean, it's a little bit market, but a lot of this, it's policy. It's get bigger, get off the farm. The reason there's 15,000 head um, uh, 
uh, uh, dairy farms down in, in Arizona or Nevada, like down in the Southwest, it's because of monopolies, you know? And and we have a choice to make, I think, as uh, uh, as America and as uh, especially Midwest folks, that do we are we gonna allow for a dairy farmer, uh, like a conventional dairy farmer, like that has been here for, uh, life or for generations, or, or are we going to uh, be more concentrated and just allow for the fifteen thousand head one? And, I, and that's, I think that's, I mean, dairy's the forefront of this. I think we're going to get there in cattle. We're, we're uh, it's it hasn't been good for for folks uh, in, in the cattle industry, and then just vertical integration when it comes to to a lot of hogs and, and just. You know, our backs are against the wall. And, and I'll be the first to admit, it, it, uh, Democrats love to blame Trump. That They think that uh, uh, the trade war was what has hurt rural America. And, you know, it has, but like it didn't start with him. It, it's been decades of market consolidation. That's the biggest thing that I feel that has really hurt rural America. And, and uh, But like I will never forget Roger Walker because like that – that story is like so many stories and just it's heartbreaking it just we as a government have given up on on people like him and, and that size farm well that was sad sorry <laughs> wow <laughs> but, but like that, it's it's the, that's the point of why i'm running you yeah, know and, yeah. and, and when you when, when we and here's the here's the problem is we elect career politicians I, i'm not going to talk about my opponent just in general mm-hmm. And like, especially in the Midwest, if if you take corporate money, you're going to take Packer money. You can't stand up for those guys. And at the end of the day, that's it. You know, we got us. The status quo is not working in rural America. This get bigger, get off the farm policy is not working. We we need to change. And, and it's not going to be easy. And especially anytime you change the status quo, it's not easy. But especially in this, when you're going up against millions of dollars, monopolies who, who have invested. They have their lobbyists in it just in the hooks of everyone out there. And, and I know it, it, like you, you mentioned, like I'm one person, what can I really do? I don't know, but I want to see and I want to fight. I'll fight tooth and nail. I have no desire to be a career politician, but I have a desire to represent this district. And, and to me, that's why I'm, I'm here. J.D., we appreciate having you on and uh, making us part of your return trip back to uh, Sioux City. And we, uh, more than anything, appreciate the beer you brought. <laughs> yeah. And a little hypothetical, you win. How soon can you get back on the podcast? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Schedule is going to fill up pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, I might see one of their emails again. No. <laughs> no. I'll make this promise uh, before the New Year's. Uh, wow. uh, All right. And... You know what? I am a very giving, helping guy. If you need help finding a campground up in D.C., I'll go with you. Awesome. We'll find one. No. Okay. He'll help you back into the spot. No. Yeah. Now let's go to the Capitol. I want let's, some backstage passes let's, here. Let's 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 do a road trip out there. Let's. I'm I'm dead serious. Let's, I would love nothing more than well, to go. Let's to do DC. it, and we'll podcast the whole way. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> well, maybe not the whole way, but like. 
Like most of it. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll do, uh, I think. Uh, We're at a truck stop in Waukegan, Michigan. And uh, Aaron had a, a burrito he could not trust. That's that's the part of the yeah. not the whole way. Yeah. Hey, we want to also give thanks to Brady's Pub and Sheldon for agreeing to sponsor this episode of Dutch by Association. Remember, you as a listener are entitled to a free appetizer. All you have to do is tell your server, the Dutchman made me say this to get my free appetizer hey uh join us again next time for another episode of dutch by association a northwest iowa podcast special thanks to our title sponsor super high tech did you chuck your phone at the wall when i said something dumb on the podcast super high tech in (laughs) sheldon orange city and sioux center has the right replacement at the right price on the web at super-ht.com. And as always, we are um, happy to field your queries, your comments, your hopefully not condescension. Uh, uh, con- condescension? Yes. <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> condescension. I, I felt condescending <laughs> when I had to give you that word. Well, but Mitch, no, you have been right. accused of that. Yeah, I have been. All right. <laughs> Get a hold of us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and coming soon to the web at dbapod.com. That's all for now. I am a real-